from Vintage City Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. It's the Vintage Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Ben Westdorf. Hey, we are... Uh... We're eight weeks in. Pastor Greg has been on sabbatical this summer and having a great time, enjoying his time. And uh, so I'm bringing up the caboose. I get to, uh, finally, I get to share with you guys. I'm super excited about that. But no applause. No, no, no. You don't need to do that. Um, <laughs> but I am excited. Uh, and first of all, I just want to say this. Hey, everybody, thank you. It has been it has been an awesome opportunity to lead this church over the last eight weeks, to work with you guys individually and corporately, uh, develop like our group system. I'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. Uh, but it's just been an awesome privilege this summer just to do that. Um, and most of all, what's been really cool is just to see this family interact in such a really awesome way during a season. A lot of times people look at, oh, my pastor's gone, so therefore I can check out. I saw actually this. I saw a level of engagement happen in our church that never, nothing took a dip. We just kept going. We kept pursuing and we just kept after him. So I love that. Um, but it's been awesome. Okay. All right. So Greg will be back with us next week. Uh, so you guys ready to go? You guys ready to study the word of God? Yes or no? Okay. Let's do it. All right. Um, I actually had something completely different planned for this service earlier this week met with our teaching team and we talked through it and uh, this morning I got up about 4.30 and just went out prayer and, and, and was out walking, hanging out with Jesus and he kind of, you know how he does that? He just says, yep, I want you to do this. Okay. So I literally sat down at my computer and just started typing out some stuff that the Lord was leading me in and um, so it's, uh, it's, it's a little raw, okay? <laughs> you guys good with that? Uh, but I want to I read you guys this scripture. Uh, this is John 10.10, 10, and this is, it could be a familiar scripture for you, uh, and it may not be. Uh, what I want us to do is be able to, we're going to dissect this a little bit, because I think this morning the Lord laid on my heart this scripture for us as a family, as a church, um, because there's a strategic plan against your life that the enemy has put out. He's put out an assignment on you to try to stop you, to try to say, you know what, that person is not going to succeed. Actually, I think maybe it has a lot to do even with some of the stuff with breakthrough that we just talked about. There's a strategic plan that the enemy is saying, you know what, I do not want to see that person live in blessing. I do not want to see that person live with the favor of God in their life. It is his plan. So maybe you've seen this scripture before. Maybe you haven't, but let's read through it. It says, it says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. So these are the words of Jesus. And he's sharing this with, with uh, his, his people. And, and, right, and he's has, and I think for the, not for the first time, but they're beginning to see, man, Jesus Christ is establishing himself as an authority in this place. So therefore, when he establishes himself as an authority, he also has to see, man, there is a, there's a counterattack on your life. So I actually want to dissect this a little bit. The thief, he's talking about the devil, right? He's talking about the enemy. And this word steal, it's not this. Steal. How many guys, okay, confession moment. You guys ready? This will be fun. 
I always like this one. Confess, yeah, say your biggest sin right now. I'm just kidding. Uh, how about this? Who has ever stolen anything? As a kid, I don't want to see adults. Don't do it. Okay, as a kid, you put your hand in the cookie jar, right? You did, okay, everybody else is lying right now like crazy. I have four children, right? And, and even the other night, we were over at uh, some friend's house with a, a city group party, and, and my daughter, she grabbed a cookie, right, because she could have one. And then we got into the car, and I love that she's so sweet, because she's three. She's my only girl, and I, so I basically, I'm like, okay, you know? She's like, hey, Dad, I took three cookies. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. Okay, so we've all done this, right? For me, as a, as a child, uh, when I was growing up, we had a, a, a gas station, a corner store, you know, about a half mile away. So I would get on my bike with my brother and we would, you guys remember that moment as a kid when you first get to go ride your bike somewhere, like without the parents? You're like, yes, this is good. So this is that moment, right? Riding over there, dead of summer, sweating, you know, and we get to the corner store and every kid's dream in the corner store is, which aisle is it? What aisle is it? The candy aisle, right? You walk into the candy aisle, and it is like a picture of heaven. From beginning to end, top to bottom, everything in it, you're just like, the glory of the Lord has revealed himself through lots of colors and sugar. So you're standing there, and you know, as a child, it looks so big, you're like, whoa, wow. And then the part that... that probably most parents, we, we get annoyed at this, is your child picking out what they want, right? So I'm in this store with my brother. We have all the time in the world because mom and dad aren't with us. So we are, you know, I mean, you pick up this, you touch this, you put it back. You're like, you're talking with your buddy or your brother. I'm like, I'm like, hey, you know, if you buy this and then I buy this because we have $1.50 together, we could get this much candy, you know? And you're like, you're strategically planning this whole thing and you're, you know, you're touching this, pushing that. And, and then all of a sudden, you look kind of over at the, the person at the cash register, right, the attendant, and they're not the most thrilled with kids touching and putting back and doing this or that and putting their hands in their pockets and they have backpacks. You know, you know what I mean. They're getting a little nervous. They're like, are these kids? So then, true story. We're doing that. My brother and I, we're, we're you know, building our master candy plan. And in walks a police officer, Right? And as a child, this police officer is like 12 foot tall, 500 pounds, big old dude, right? I'm like, oh man. You know, you're just looking at it like, oh geez, I'm so busted. And I don't even know if I did anything wrong. <laughs> we do that as adults now when we're driving, right? You see a cop? Ooh, yep. <laughs> Slow down. <laughs> right? But so this cop walks in. And talking to the attendant, and then he walks over. He, you did, I'm probably playing this up a little bit, but it's just so vivid in my memory. Just that sound of his boots against the floor, right? And almost like you can hear the clinging of his, um, his handcuffs, you know, clink, clink. And I'm like, oh, we're done. It's a, this is it. I'm going to get arrested, and I'm only eight. <laughs> and he comes over, and he goes, gentlemen, why don't you come on over here? So we're terrified, and my pants aren't dry at this moment. They are something else. And I walk over to the counter, and he's like, I need you to take out the belongings in your pockets. So we begin to 
take out everything. And you know, as, as a kid, you have some really interesting things in your pockets, right? You have like, you know, a penny, you have a dime, you have lint, you have like a baseball card, you have like something that you stole from your sibling earlier because they were like, hey, well, that's mine, you know? So you're doing all that, right? And you're putting it all over the counter. And we didn't, I'm a good kid. We didn't have anything in our pocket. You guys were waiting for me to say, and then I pulled out the candy. No, I didn't have anything stolen or anything like that. And so we were just kind of there in a wide-eyed type thing. And, and the, then the cop says this, kid you not, the cop says this. He goes, because we weren't busted, right? He just stands there and he goes, this is just standard procedure, is what he says. <laughs> and I'm, I'm eight. I'm like, I, no, this is not standard procedure to get searched while you're going to a convenience store. But this word steal, I think oftentimes we can look at it as a little bit more of like a casual thing, like the enemy has come, like if he had nothing else to do, like he's like, oh, man, I haven't picked on that person in a while. I'm just going to go ahead and pick on them. Like, we're just like in this lottery against the enemy if, like, if he's going to choose to pick on us or not. This word is actually something completely different. It says the thief comes to steal. It's actually the, the original Greek word klepto, right? It's, the, it's where we get the, the phrase kleptomaniac. Somebody that drives everything, their identity, they can't help it but to take from something, from someone the enemy's identity is rooted in that. His plan, his only plan, is to take from you. He wants to get things out of your hands. He can't stand to see blessing happen in your life. He can't stand. He, it, it's his goal to take it away. So it isn't a matter of, well, maybe I'll just dodge a bullet here with, with the devil. No, he has every single one of us, he has this plan. To, to take something, to steal it. Do you guys ever had a, you guys, who's ever been pickpocketed? Anybody in this room? Ever, like from another country, you're in another country and you had like pickpocket? Yeah, over here? It's crazy, right? It's the most weird feeling, first of all. I've had it happen to me. I was in Africa and we were at a market and I, we were there for a few months. So after a few months, you kind of get a little bit lazy with your with your money you know at first you're always like super careful you like hide it in all these different places and stuff but after a while you're like hey i'm just gonna go to the market just put the money in your pocket and you walk on down and i'm standing there buying some stuff and i just feel this slight little brush right and i see this kid walk by he didn't think anything of it until i went to go pay for what i wanted to right I, it's just gone that quick that fast it's that good this is what the scripture's talking about, how the enemy comes. He wants to, he just steals it. Here's the thing that I think that happens with us as believers. If you've been a Christian for a while, you kind of get to that place. You're just a little bit like casual with it. Eh, I'll just be here, whatever. The enemy's not, he doesn't have a plan to come after me. Yeah, he does. And it's just like that. You don't even know what happened until you need to like use the thing or advance in the thing or call upon the thing that God's really laying on your heart and all of a sudden you just feel like ripped open in wine and like, oh man, I feel abandoned. That's what happens, that's the enemy's plan. Not only does he steal and he kills. I think often we, we equate this with the idea of murder, but actually it's not this thing of murder. This word here is it actually means this, it means to sacrifice. The enemy isn't, 
necessarily out to kill as in a murder standpoint, but he's here to sacrifice. And I think it's this. If he can't get you, if he can't steal it from you, he may want to convince you you're the one that needs to murder that, to kill that, to sacrifice this. What it's actually the word is talking about is the very thing that the, the Jews had to do when they sacrificed an animal. They had to bring it to the altar and to kill it. This is the word that's used here is, yeah, you bring it and you kill it. He's the accuser. The enemy is after you to try to say, you know what? Well, maybe I can't steal it. Maybe you're a little too smart for me for that. But I'm going to convince you to the place, to whatever you're hoping for, whatever you're dreaming for, whatever you are after. That's not worth it. You're the one that lays it to rest. And he wins there at that angle against us. And I think this, the third one, is to destroy. Deep moment here. Guess what destroy means? It means to destroy, right? <laughs> that one took a lot, you know? But actually this, it's destroy. I think in progression, if you can't steal it, if you can't get you to get rid of it, his ultimate plan then is just to crush it. Just to, to take whatever you're after, the blessing in your life, the abundance of God in your life, and he wants to just crush it. This is not the fun part to talk about in this verse, but it's the truth. The truth that the enemy actually does have something out. He has an assignment against you. But Christ follows up in, in the second part of this verse. Let's put that up on the screen. It says, I came that they may have life and life abundantly. That is good news. That is Jesus Christ telling us the enemy's plan against you, the crafty ideas that he has, the, the evasiveness of his stealing cannot succeed because Christ came that we can have life and that we can have life abundantly. That they may have. They may have. That, we have it in three words, but in the original it's one word. And it's this word that means this. It's not only in the moment but it's a continuation of maybe what your life is supposed to be rooted in, the continuation of everything you're supposed to do. Christ didn't come for you to have, find success in a moment. He, he came that you can have life in a continuation all the time. A life abundant doesn't have to happen just in one moment. We prayed over breakthrough, but it's about what prayer discipleship so that you can learn to live in it differently. You can learn to live life differently. This is what Christ is all about. You can have it abundantly, exceedingly. Life isn't supposed to be what the status quo is here maybe in, in this Fort Collins region. Your life is supposed to be something different. And I'm not just talking about bigger houses and faster cars. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the joy of the Lord and the life of God that he has planned for you. So when you get around others, when you even get around yourself, Sometimes, right? Sometimes we need to do that. Just get around yourself and go, man, Jesus really loves me. I'm really, I like this. And it might bleed out in others, at your coworkers, your friends, or whatever. But Christ has called us to live this way. So the proof text, actually, as a believer, is are you living abundantly? Remember, he's, the enemy's really crafty. He's really sneaky. If he's like a true kleptomaniac, someone who can steal without you even noticing, 
If your life isn't living abundantly, perhaps the enemy has taken something from you. And you just aren't fully aware of it quite yet. The proof text should be, how do we, is my life living in the abundance and the blessing of Christ? Is it full? Does it have joy rooted at its, at its core? Does it have the gospel rooted in everything that I do? That's the abundance that, that Christ came for us. So I want to wrap up with this. Is this abundance thing. I want to take a few minutes and talk about that. I think to, live, to say it's very easy for me to stand up here and to be honest and tell you guys, just live abundantly. Bye, you know? <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> How do I do that? What does that even look like? It can look like a lot of things. And I have two things I just want to share with you. Maybe it's a starting spot. Is this. We've said this so much at this church, and I never will get tired of saying it. You really do need to hang out with Jesus. That is key. If you're not, wait for the enemy just to steal everything from you. Hang out with Jesus. It's about, it's who you're with. It's not about what you're doing. Jesus calls his disciples, right? In, in Mark chapter 3, he calls up his disciples. And this is where he actually appoints them as apostles. This is where our, our instance in scripture where it talks about this. And he says, he calls them up. He says, so that they could be with him. That with him is so key. Because he needed them to be with him first before he sent them out to go do. I think believers, sometimes we get so concerned. Abundance is what I'm doing Abundance isn't about what you're doing. Abundance is about who you're with, who you're hanging out with. And it should be Jesus Christ. What you put in really matters. It matters so much that it can keep the enemy away. It matters that much. Uh, quick story on that. Macaroni and cheese. Who loves macaroni and cheese? Adults, your true confession time. Yes! Macaroni and cheese is the best, right? So when I was a teenager, I was sitting there making mac and cheese. And uh, my mom was gone, and I was home alone. And you get to that moment, because teenagers think these things through, right? You get to the moment where you need the other ingredients besides the stuff in the box. <laughs> You're like, oh, what else is in here? There's milk. I need milk. I need butter, right? You need to put those things in there. And then this fake powder thing that's called cheese, <laughs> right? So... I, I get to the place, and I'm like, oh, cool, got the noodles, didn't burn the house down. Butter time, milk time. Butter, check, milk. No check. Out of milk. And then you can do the water option, but we know how that goes down. Not so good, right? The water option. So I'm looking around, kitchen, no milk, no milk. Not smart enough to go ask the neighbor, you know, teenage boy, right? So... I'm looking around and I see in the sink, there's milk no. from my cereal. No. Yes, milk, check. Measure it out, pour it in, stir it up. I'm like feeling so resourceful at this moment. Mom's gonna be proud. I go and, t I go and take a bite. And you taste this interesting mix of 
of cinnamon toast crunch and macaroni and cheese. That actually causes a teenager to set his meal down and walk away and begin to throw up. <laughs> what you put in really matters, okay? It really does matter. I could have done the right thing and went and asked a neighbor and got some milk, but what I decided to do, I'm just going to do this on my own, okay? What you put in really does matter. So that's the first one, spend time with Jesus. Second one is this, is I think it comes down to serving and not only serving but serving a vision I think a lot of times and this kind of plays off the first one we, we think abundance has something to do with what we produce and what we're doing and what we're about that's, what, that's a proof text for my life I think it's about who you're with and who you're serving a lot of people I talk to they, they're looking for vision and, and focus and something to do with their lives, a lot, you know, especially a lot of young people. And the first thing I, I think I need to bring everybody to, and I've told this to a lot of people, is whose vision are you serving? There's a place of protection in that. There's a place that Jesus Christ will cause you to flourish and to grow when you're serving someone else's vision. And you're like, well, what is that? Moses served Jethro first before anything else. The disciples served Jesus before they went and did anything else. Christ calls them to come and say, hey, why don't you come serve this vision? And then out of that, he gives them everything else from that place. Scriptures say this, where there's no vision, the people cast off restraint. And maybe the first thing that where if you, you need vision in your life is begin to serve someone else's vision. Begin to serve, I mean, if you're here in this church, See what we're up to and begin to serve in that and say, man, I want to hop on board with that. I'm not just saying that to get more people to serve here, but I really do want to see the Lord succeed in your life and live in abundance. It's really about that. So the first one is, who are you with? Next one is, how are you serving? Are you serving a vision? I think those are two key things to launch us into a place of abundance. There's way more. We probably don't have time to dive into a lot of them. But I really felt led this morning to talk about that with you guys. Is a strategic plan the enemy has for you, and second of all, the abundance that you have the access to. Thanks for listening. For more great content, please visit us on the web at vintagecitychurch.com.